you would remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 26 through 38 of Luke chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, him, give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You may be seated. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. If you would please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, today obviously was a big day, or is a big day in the life of our church. It was quite unexpected last week for a boy from Chicago uh, to cancel church on account of a little bit of ice um, here in Arkansas. uh, Coming here on Monday, I understand why. Uh, It definitely made it very difficult to get here to church. Um, uh, Sharon shared with me this this past week about Ron and Sharon sliding down the the hill outside of their um, uh, subdivision uh, going across uh, 107. So uh, it was very dangerous last week, and it was good that we canceled. Um, I think that was the first time that I've ever experienced a a church cancellation. Uh, This may have happened a couple of times in the past, uh, but for me, uh, this was the first time. Uh, My wife and I enjoyed the day together as a family. We we actually didn't leave the house from Thursday until, I don't know, Monday? (laughs) Uh, we, uh, We had a lot of family time, but Elliot got to the point where he said, are we going anywhere today? <laughs> so uh, family time was good, um, but it was also to, good to get out and uh, 
we had some fun in, in the snow slash ice. Uh, but that was definitely a unique experience for me to, uh, to not have church on a Sunday morning. This morning we also read about a very unique experience in the life of Mary. And because, as Scripture says and as the angel told Mary, uh, because nothing will be impossible with God, we learn from Mary that we can, by faith, willingly submit ourselves to God as His servant. You know, there's a theme in Scripture that we see popping up quite often, and, and that is that God often appears in very unexpected ways to people. And this story is, is a great example of that. You know, last, I was going to say last week, no, it was two weeks ago, we read about Zechariah. And in a sense, this is expected. God sends an angel to Jerusalem, the capital city, the holy city, Jerusalem. He sends an angel to the temple. Of course, that's where God's presence is. To a priest, to tell him that his wife is going to have a child. In a sense, that makes sense. But then we read this week that God sends his angel Gabriel six months later to Nazareth. Now, if you had been reading through the Bible and gotten to this point, you would have said, Nazareth? I've never heard of that before. And that's true, because Nazareth never appears anywhere in the Old Testament. Nowhere. In a sense, it's it's not a, like it's a forgotten town. It's just of no importance. It's just Nazareth. Uh, it's a place that you pass through. In fact, with, uh, when Jesus begins to call his disciples in the book of John, one of his disciples, Nathaniel, when he hears that Jesus is from Nazareth, he says, Nazareth? Seriously? Can anything good even come from Nazareth? It had not a great reputation in So um, this is a a surprise that Gabriel is sent to Nazareth. Not only that, he is sent to Mary. Now Mary was young. She was probably between the ages of 12 and 14. Now um, I've already been embarrassed this morning by forgetting to to mention my wife and have her call uh, call her up here this morning. and uh, I'm going to embarrass somebody else this morning. And uh, it's good that she's already standing. So uh, I'm going to ask Mary Greer, if you could stand up for us just a second. Mary, how old are you? Twelve. This is Mary. You can have a seat, Mary. Thank you. Th- this is who she is. That is how old she most likely was. Um, very young. Um, she was poor. She was a woman, uh, not very highly regarded in those days. Um, As one commentator writes, uh, she was a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. This made no sense that the angel Gabriel would come here. Why would God do this? Why would God come to here? Why would he come to her? Now, when you think of great athletes, great professional athletes, uh, usually they come from some great colleges. Uh, You think of basketball players, and there's some basketball powerhouses. 
the University of Arkansas uh, is a great basketball school. You have Duke. You have University of North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas. Um, there's probably others that I'm leaving out that you might give me a hard time for later. Um, but usually there's these big schools that these, you know, have a great reputation that, that athletes come out of. Um, growing up in Chicago in the mid-90s, I was a huge Chicago Bulls fan. Huge. And it was a great time to be a Bulls fan because they were winning championship upon championship. Uh, twice they won three in a row. Of the, the ten championships during the decade of the 90s, the Bulls won six. One of the reasons was Michael Jordan. Obviously, Michael Jordan is regarded as the best basketball player that has ever lived. Um, but Michael Jordan was not, uh, could not win championships without his faithful sidekick, Scottie Pippen. And if you know anything about Scottie Pippen, he did not come from a basketball powerhouse. He came from UCA. He came from Conway, right here in central Arkansas. Um, I had heard those introductions uh, of, of the Bulls starting five for years. And hearing that Scottie Pippen came from the University of Central Arkansas, never knew where that was, and honestly, I didn't care. Um, because it's not a big powerhouse school. <laughs> but now that I live here in Central Arkansas, that is incredible to me. I love that he came from UCA. But that's like, Michael Jordan, we can understand. Coming from the University of North Carolina, Scottie Pippen, incredible, UCA. Uh, that's like Mary here in our story. Uh, this is whom God chooses to reveal himself to. So Mary, as we see here, Mary believes in the power of God. Gabriel greets her, and he says, uh, we see his greeting in verse 28. It says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And what's amazing here is that Mary is perplexed. She's not perplexed at the sight of an angel. She's simply perplexed at the message. Because she realizes who she is. She is a nobody in a, in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. And the angel tells her, Mary, you are highly favored. Her reaction is, me? Like, looking around, do you have the wrong person? Is, are you talking to me? Why would an angel say to her that she is favored? No one would pick Mary out of a lineup and say, Mary, you are favored. Mary was nothing special. She was ordinary. And so she receives this amazing greeting from the angel. And obviously she's perplexed. She's a little afraid. But the angel calms her fears. Do not be afraid and she gives, and Gabriel gives her this incredible message. It says that you'll conceive, you will have a son, you'll give him the name Jesus. He is going to be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will have the throne of his father David, and he will reign forever and ever over the house of Jacob. His kingdom will have no end. But after Mary receives this incredible message, she just has one question. One question. And it's an obvious question. How can this be? How can this happen since I am a virgin? 
I want to take a minute this morning to just look into the virgin birth. Is it important that Mary was a virgin? Does it really matter if uh, Jesus was conceived uh, by a virgin? For salvation to be accomplished, it was absolutely necessary for the Savior to be man and to be God at the very same time. You see, the Savior needed to be man because, man, we had broken covenant with God. Therefore, man needed to suffer the consequences of that covenant. But the problem is that fallen humanity, as Philip Ryken says in his commentary, says fallen humanity could not produce its own Savior. He had to come from somewhere outside by way of divine initiative and intervention. Therefore, not only did the Savior have to be man, but the Savior had to be God. Since only God is capable of perfection, only God is capable of not sinning, only God is capable of keeping the covenant that He has made with us. And God perfectly accomplishes this, God and man, perfectly through the virgin birth. You see, Jesus was a man. His biological mother was Mary. Uh, I have a daughter, Abigail, that was born just a couple of months ago. She looks like me. If you want to know what I look like with a bow and a dress, just look at Abigail. That's what, uh, that's what it is. Um, she looks like me. We share DNA. Jesus shared physical characteristics with Mary. Uh, that's incredible to me. Um, you could see Jesus and Mary next to each other and say, Obviously, that's Mary's, Mary's son. Jesus was a man. But he was also conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was God. In fact, he was fully God and fully man. So what would happen if we denied the virgin birth? If we say, you know what, that's not really important. It may have happened, it may not have happened. Uh, it doesn't matter. Well, we speak about the virgin birth every time we recite the Apostles' Creed. We said it this morning. Um, born of the Virgin Mary. So imagine if we denied the Virgin birth. Well, what, what would that say, first of all, about Mary? Uh, wouldn't paint her in a very good light at this point now, would it? Uh, people already believed at the time that she was being sexually, or had been sexually immoral. And if it weren't for the Virgin birth, obviously this would have been true. Uh, Jesus would have been uh, conceived out of wedlock in an in a act of sin. Um, at that point, uh, adultery, even when uh, people were engaged, was a serious offense, and it was actually punishable by death. Uh, it wasn't often carried out in Mary's day, but this was a serious offense. If we denied the virgin birth, we would also have to deny the authority and the truth of Scripture. Luke tells us that Mary was a virgin. Isaiah prophesies uh, in his um, in his in the Old Testament that. The, the Savior would be born of a, of a virgin. If we deny the virgin birth, we call Luke a liar. Isaiah would have been crazy for what he was saying, and the Bible is no longer trustworthy and true. But finally, if we deny the virgin birth, then Jesus is just like us. He's no different. He is like you and me, and it would have been impossible for him to save us. He would have been subjected to total depravity. He would have had a fallen sin nature. 
And he would be under God's punishment and wrath, just like we would be. And we are. No, the virgin birth is true, and it has to be true. It's a very important doctrine for us to believe and for us to uphold. And so Mary asks this question. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? And when Mary asks this question, what Luke is doing here is he's contrasting the lives of, of Mary and the life of Zechariah. Because Mary and Zechariah asked very similar questions to one another. Uh, and one, Zechariah is punished, but Mary is exalted for her faith. Uh, it doesn't quite seem fair, does it? Uh, but the questions that they ask are actually very different because of what they come out of, where they come from. Uh, Zechariah's question, as we saw a couple weeks ago, arose from his doubt. He was asking, how, how could this happen? Is this even possible? And he had precedent for that. There had been uh, times previously where God had blessed people who were elderly uh, past the, the age of bearing children, and he had blessed them with children. But Mary's question, hers arose out of faith. Hers was different. She was asking, how, how will this happen? Can you explain the details to me? Mary's desire was to understand the biology of what was going on here. Because what, what was the angel was telling her was something that had never happened before. This was inconceivable. Never in history had a virgin actually given birth to a child. You see, with the birth of John the Baptist, it would be special, obviously very special. But Jesus was completely and utterly unique. Nothing like this had ever happened before. It was one of a kind. So by placing these two announcements next to each other, what Luke is telling us is to be like Mary. If Zechariah's message is, this is what not to do, then Mary's message is, this is what we should do. So what, what should we do? What is our application here as we read through this very familiar story of the Virgin Mary? One, we need to receive the gospel message with humility. Mary shows us that the gospel is not for the proud. It's not for the self-sufficient. Instead, the gospel is for those who acknowledge their need, for those who realize their need for it. Jesus will say later on in the gospel is that, that he came not for those who are well, but he came for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. The proper response to the message of the gospel should be with Mary, with astonishment. We should respond like her when the angel said to her, Greetings, O favored one. Our response should be, me? Are you sure? Me? I am favored? When we hear the gospel that God loves us more than we possibly could conceive, despite the fact that we are more sinful than we would ever care to admit, that He has rescued us by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, we should properly respond with astonishment. Are you serious, God? If the gospel message does not surprise us, then we have a too high view of ourselves. The nature of the gospel is that those who are completely undeserving, that is you and that is me, 
Those who are completely undeserving receive God's grace. And when we receive the gospel in humility, the natural response then is thankfulness to God for what He has done for us. Because it's all Him and it's not us. So not only do we need to respond to the gospel message with humility, but we are called to faith like Mary. You see, Mary never doubted the words of the angel, despite how extraordinary they were. She wondered at how it would happen, but she never questioned if it would happen. And that is very key. And honestly, we wouldn't have blamed Mary if she did doubt. From a purely biological standpoint, what was going to happen in her body was impossible. Even at 12 or 14 years old, Mary understood how these things worked. And what the angel was claiming could not happen. She understood the absurdity of Gabriel's message. And yet, she believed it. She believed it. She understood what the angel was told, that had told her, that nothing will be impossible with God. On a side note, um, one of the things that I learned in five years of, of youth ministry, um, it's real easy to, to pick on teenagers uh, because of the stage of life that they're in. Uh, it's a hard and it's an awkward stage. Um, but Mary was a teenager, and she displayed incredible faith. Incredible faith. Um, what I found is that teenagers rise to the level of the expectations that we have of them. Um, Mary at 12 had faith that God would conceive in her without the, the proper biological means. Um, something that had never happened before. I think we need to give teenagers a little more credit. They're capable of great things. They really are. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, we can hold them to high standards and expect good things from them. Uh, and they will rise to those levels. And I think it's very ironic here what Luke shows us as he puts Zechariah and Mary next to each other. He Luke implores us to have faith, but the ironic thing is that not to have faith like Zechariah, who you would expect, the priest living in Jerusalem at the temple. Uh, instead, he calls us to have faith like a simple 12-year-old, a teenager, a nobody in a nobody uh, in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. This is who we are called to emulate. So what about us? Do we often display the, the faith of Zechariah or the faith of Mary? Do we doubt God or do we actually believe that, as the angel said, nothing will be impossible with God? Because the gospel message, it's absurd. Just like the message that Mary heard is absurd. First uh, Corinthians 1 verse 18, Paul says that the message of the gospel is foolishness. And honestly, when you think about it, Christianity is foolishness. If you think about it from a worldly standpoint, we think of the way to be exalted is by humbling yourself. Um, if you want to be first, you are last. If you want to be great, you become a servant. We don't save ourselves by the great things that we do. Instead, we offer ourselves to God in faith. 
admitting our sins is the way that they are forgiven. The question is, is do we believe? So we are called to humbly submit ourselves. When we hear the gospel message, we are to receive it humbly. That we are to respond in faith. And then as Mary, to dutifully submit ourselves to the will of God. In the end, Mary's response to the angel is incredible. It's incredible. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She offered herself to God as a servant. And what does it mean to be a servant? Well, it means giving up on your own desires. She didn't know how Joseph was going to react at this point. She had no idea. Her marriage to Joseph might fall apart. Who knows how he was going to react. She was about to have a child out of wedlock. And you know that having a child consumes completely the life of a mother. Uh, I think that being a mother is one of the highest callings, but one of, one of the most difficult callings in the world. Um, I give mothers a lot of credit um, for what mothers are called to do. Her life was not her own. She offered it completely to her children. And her life was no longer her own at the tender age of 12 to 14. Suddenly, her life was going to be completely different. Her desires were out the window. Not only that, she was giving up her own reputation. Um, Having a a child outside of wedlock in this day and age, um, maybe getting more and more accepted, unfortunately. Um, But that day, it carried a huge stigmatism with it. Committing adultery, like I said, was punishable by death although it wasn't often carried out at this time. You know, Elizabeth suffered the shame of barrenness like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but that was nothing compared to the shame that was brought upon Mary with an illegitimate child. And not only Mary's life would be affected, but Jesus as well. Uh, this, This child, he would be ever known as an illegitimate child. Um, often in the Gospels, he would refer to as, oh, isn't that Joseph's son? Um always with a a questioning tone. Um, But even through all this, giving up her desires and her reputation, Mary offered herself to the Lord as a servant. And all for something that, obviously, she did not completely understand what was happening. But that's what faith is, isn't it? Faith is trusting even when we don't completely understand what is happening. And she offered herself to God as a servant, all for something that was promised to her that she knew would be greater than she could possibly imagine. So we're called to be like Mary this morning. To have the faith like Mary. Because we can't experience the power of Christ in our lives unless we offer ourselves to Him as servants. Through Mary's story, we are called to be God's servants as well. You know, we can't have it both ways. Uh, We can't say that, yes, we have faith in Christ as our Savior um, and still try to have control of our lives. We can't be our own master. Because when we offer ourselves to Christ as our Savior, we also offer ourselves to Him as our Lord. He is the one that takes control of our lives. We give up 
our desires to Him. We give up our reputation to Him. We give up our possessions to Him and let Him take control. But as we do this, we are promised something. We are promised a reward. With Mary, she received the greatest blessing that any woman who has ever lived has received. She became the mother of Jesus. She became the mother of the Son of God. What an incredible blessing. But for us, when we offer ourselves to God as His servants, we become His sons and His daughters. We become part of God's family. And we talked about what that means as we went through the book of Galatians. That God's inheritance, all that He has, is ours. So in a sense, we may be giving up something, giving up our desires, our reputation, the things of this earth. But what we are gaining is something greater than we could ever possibly imagine. So the question for us this, this Advent season is, have we surrendered ourselves to God as His servant? Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in Heaven, we thank You for Your Word. For the lives of these people that we can read about, who you have given to us so that we can see what it means to have faith. Lord, we know that Mary was not perfect by any means. Uh, But Lord, we thank you for this expression of faith that she had in offering herself to you as a servant. I pray that we would as well accept your gospel message in humility, that we would exercise faith, and that we would offer ourselves to you as your servants knowing that when we offer ourselves to you as a servant, you make us sons and daughters in your family. We thank you for this, and we give you the praise and the glory and the honor that you deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.